Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. So hi, this is Ashley, a Feminist Book Club content contributor, and I am joined today by Harold Green III. He is an ever-evolving artist. His self-published first collection of poetry from Inglewood with Love in 2014 earned him a prestigious, or the prestigious Carl Sandburg Literary Award. His work has been featured and commissioned, including Aspen Ideas, Google, and Chicago Transit Authority. A husband, son, brother, father, and multidimensional leader, he joins us to talk about Black Oak, Odes Celebrating Powerful Black Men, and Black Roses, Odes Celebrating Powerful Black Women, and illustrations are by Melissa Kobe. Harold, thank you for joining us today. Hey, hey, it's such an honor to be here. So my first question, and this is going to be a two-parter because you're the first man on our podcast. Oh man, you saw me, you saw me smile. That 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 makes me really happy. You know, the second time it's happened to me, and I'm I'm feeling very honored about that. Yes, we appreciate having you in the space. And I guess you can say welcome to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm always a fan of a lunar eclipse, you know. Yes. So what is your definition of feminism? And how can brotherhood empower feminism? I think in all honesty, and I and I hate to simplify it, but I think sometimes we have to in order for everybody to kind of get on board. But I think that feminism is really anybody who is dedicated to putting action to the thought that all people should be treated fairly. Amazing. And how does, or how can brotherhood empower feminism? And you can also offer your definition of brotherhood. Um, I think I think brotherhood is, uh, can directly impact that because when you have, um, again, you're welcoming all people into the circle of feminism. I think that honesty within brotherhood keeps people honest, you know, and keeps people in line and keeps people in check. And I think when you have real brothers in, in, in community, they're going to let you know when you didn't step out of line or when you're not acting properly or when things are not looking, you know, on scale. Um, and I think that true brotherhood is right in line with all people being treated fairly. Yes, because not often in between in brotherhood are people, well, brotherhood, I think, is just such a a beautiful place because you can check each other and it's right. not in a place of malice. It's in a place of love. Like Absolutely. I'm seeing something about you. That's not okay. Either for our society, for how we function, how we get together. Let me put you up on game for a little bit so that you can do better. It's not out of anything out of the ordinary. It's just to make you a better person. Open your eyes, you know? Yes. So what is the story behind the illustration of the faces? Many of all of the people that you feature don't have eyes, nose, mouth, or at least some variation of that. I have my ideas on it, but what was the intention behind that? I love this question, man, because it was such um, an intentional part of creating this project. Uh, The words were meant to be a reflection. So 
although I may be writing about somebody else, I want you, I wrote it in a way that I wanted you to be able to see yourself as well. I wanted you to see those characteristics within yourself. So when picking an illustrator, Melissa Kobe was the perfect choice because her faceless portraits create a mirror. So if the words are a reflection, then the illustrations become a mirror. So even though you may know who some of these people are just by, you know, face contouring, you can see yourself or you can see, you know, the black women in your life or the black men in your life. Or even more importantly, if you're not around any, now you have black people taking up space in your world, you know. Um, and I think that that is a beautiful thing because it now creates a situation where there isn't any tokenism. Now you have to deal with the fact that all black people are beautiful or whoever face you put to this is wonderful. And it, it just opens up the whole idea of, you know, black is beautiful. You know, we, we're taking up space and now you get to see yourself. And if, even if you don't know this person, you get to see another person of color. And you still have the attributes that make that person known. Jason Reynolds is on the cover of Black Oak and, you, and you see his locks. And yeah. that is so signature to him <laughs> on Black Roses, Rhapsody is on the cover. And it pretty much Absolutely. looks like her cover for her profound album, Eve, with Absolutely. her cornrows and just her being lifted to the sky for the sun that she is. Absolutely. You get it. You get it. You got it. Yes. So what emotions arrived at writing an ode? Um gratefulness um as a human being i think that there is so much that goes on day to day that can make us jaded or make us cynical and i'm so fortunate that the way that i'm made up i find inspiration and joy and jubilation in other human beings and the, and the wonderful things that they're doing out here you know like when you talk about eve the album by Rhapsody, like I ran it back so many times because mm -hmm. I was just so proud that there's an artist out there making work like this. You know what I'm saying? Like when I read Jason Reynolds' work, I get lost in it because I can see those young people that he's talking about. I know, I know those people and I know how important it is to have that language and be able to have such a deep connection to young folk because that's a, that's a certain type of love that he's portraying through writing like that. That means that you care enough about young people to be able to reverberate their language in a way that they can comprehend it, digest it, and they can use it. And I think that that's beautiful, you know? So many people, you, 80 people that I had the chance to honor, I was grateful to be in the midst to, or to share space as a human being with these people. And that's that's how I arrive at an old gratefulness. And it's, and it's a very organic part of me. I'm really grateful. I'm even grateful to be on the line with you right now and and to know that the work that you're doing with the podcast, you know, I, I was able to check out the podcast and stuff beforehand. Oh, and I think it's important. You yes. know, this is important work. Human beings connecting is, is a very important thing. It takes also a special kind of person, as we were talking about with brotherhood, to recognize the greatness in another person without taking from yourself. Right. And it's like you're the water who gets to nourish these flowers but you're necessary as a nourishment yourself. So you're just pouring into and watching these flowers, these trees grow through the nourishment that you provide for them in the words that you give. You, you, you get it, you got it, absolutely. And it's, it's so funny that you even brought that up because 
that's also a reason that I wrote the ode to myself in the book, because mm-hmm. as as what I call myself a florist, I think that it's important. And my mother taught my sister and I this when we were young. You don't wait for nobody to tell you the good things, you know. So instead of me, you know, steady pouring, pouring, pouring and then waiting on somebody to pour back into me, you take the time and you you nourish yourself as well, you know, and. I wanted that not only to be an ode to myself, but an ode to everyone. Like, take the time. Take the time to water your soul, you know, and soil. Because you may be waiting a long time for someone to You may be waiting a long time, buddy. Because <laughs> you can even be surrounded by love, but not everybody has the words or not everybody has yes. the, the, the skill or the talent, you know, to affirm, yes. you know. So Angelica Ross and Billy Porter are just some of the people featured in in either one of the books. Yeah. How did the lack of representation in Hollywood in regards, we're in Pride Month, you know, Angelica Ross is a transgendered woman, Billy Porter is a gay man. How did the lack of representation impact who was featured in the book? Did you feel that you needed to um, just pick people to choose? Or how did that process go? No, I was very specific. Like I, I, I knew that I wanted to diversify because I'm not thinking about brotherhood, especially when we're talking about black men specifically. We know how quickly homophobia and, and transphobia and all these different phobias can creep into those circles due to how we were raised, generational things, religion, all of these things that can start, you know, putting a chokehold on your mind. And I wanted to make sure that that honesty was was placed in there too, you know, because I think that those conversations are highly important. And the more that you going back to the seeing yourself and seeing those that you may not be around in a certain light, it opens your heart, you know. And Angelica Ross, there were there are obviously, especially right now, there are a, a, quite a few options that I could have went with in as far as the Hollywood transgender um, situation. But Angelica Ross really touched my heart because I remember one day I was up watching this series I just stumbled upon on Oprah's network. It was a series where they were bringing different powerful black women to interview like maybe like three or four per uh, episode. And one of the episodes Angelica Ross was on there and she had a powerful conversation about her and her mom and how things kind of transition. Like how at one point her mom was like, girl, look, I can kill us if you live or not. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Going from that to now her her being by her side and, and, mm-hmm. and working every day to be a better ally and a better, you know, companion and friend and parent. And, and it, it made me emotional, you know, cause think about that reality. You know what I'm saying? Like why you throwing your phobias around and things like that. Like these are real people. And imagine being thrown away by a parent, you know, and these are these are very ground level things. But these are things that you can deal with as a a, it don't matter who you are, you know, and that's a hard thing to fathom missing that love of your parent, you know, just because you're trying to exist as 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 your true self, you know. So I wanted to make sure that Angelica felt seen Mm -hmm. because that at the core of it all. That's what these, that's what these, you know, I keep talking about reflection and mirror and all of that. 
like as a human being to feel genuinely seen beyond your accolades and how many shows you've been on and how many awards you have won. When somebody sees your character, when somebody sees your life, that can fill you up for, you know, whoever knows how long, you know, and when it came to Billy Porter, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I think Billy Porter fly, bro. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I just, you know, like, man, when he stepped out on that, on that red carpet, you know, with with, with the pumps and the 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 tuxedo top and, and yes. the skirt, it was like, man, bro, that's you know what I'm saying. Like, I to me, that's not we. You know what I'm saying? To me, not not only is it is it fly like fashion wise because that that brother be dressing, but to me, it's also there's so much strength in just being who you are unapologetically and standing in it. Billy don't Billy don't look scared. Billy don't look like timid. Billy don't look like, ooh, I'm uncomfortable in this. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to put on a show. But Billy look fly, bro. And he stand in it. That man come out in that gold and that glitter with that with yes. that sunrise, like, bro, that what? Are you serious? In 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 another in another day in time, that man is is a pharaoh. That man is a king. You know what I'm saying? And I and I really you know, I, I know that, you know, mindsets can change as, as time goes on and, and, and society and civilizations change, but some things stay the same, bro. And that man is regal, in my opinion, you know, yes. and I just wanted to speak on that. And I wanted, I don't want that part of it to get lost, you know? So I'm, I'm a fan, man. Like, I think Billy be killing it. And I think to reiterate my question, it's not so much the lack of representation, but but that these artists show who you can be in the world, even no matter who you are. And you they give you a beacon to who you can be in the world. And it just, it affirms who you are. So it's not the lack of representation. It's that for what we do have, we can start to build on how we are in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, and I think that, I mean, obviously, it's still the 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 sample rate is still much smaller compared to, you know, cisgender people or whatever the case may be. But I think that we're getting to a place where uh, the representation is becoming more inclusive. And I and I'm trying to be very careful about how I'm wording it because you know, yes. everybody has a varying opinion yes. about things. But if we look at things from even 20 years ago, you know what I'm saying, like. There's obvious forward progress, and I want to be a part of the forward progress part. You know, I don't want to be a part of regression. So you feature a number of advocates, community leaders, and artists. What was the scope you wanted to represent with art and advocacy? Um, I really wanted to show that because I believe that I'm an artist advocate, and I think that's a very specific thing. I think that um, there's so many different types of artists and you can use your platform in, in varying ways. Sometimes we're using it for self-therapy. Sometimes we are using it for capitalism. You know, sometimes we are using it, you know, just as a form of uh, getting out our passion. But I think that there are people who are very intentional about using their platform to either bring attention to others, to lift others up, to make sure that a a point is being made and i think that all of these you know artists that landed in that advocacy like like ava duvernay to me is an artist advocate she uses that you know although she uh, she may not have been in the i don't think she was in the advocacy chapter but she is an artist advocate because the way that she uses cinema 
to speak truth to light. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. it's it's yeah. I mean, I mean, we all felt the way about Selma, but I think the the collective stronghold that when they see us had yes. on yes. us, you know what I'm saying? Because thirteenth, you know, thirteenth was. Um, it was a big deal. I mean, I even made my whole like Avery when I was working in schools, I made my whole Avery class like watch it. But 13, you know, documentaries are documentaries, and everybody doesn't necessarily digest documentaries mm-hmm. the same way. But when they see us, I mean, the way that gripped the, the, the nation, the 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 world at large, like it was so powerful, you know. And then to be able to make that, and on the flip side be able to make a wrinkle in time. You yes. know what I'm saying? Like, that's a genius, man. Yes. That's a genius. But that's also an artist advocate because you you now are dealing with billion dollar budgets but still have the mindset that I'm going to make sure that you all still see this, this mirror, okay? Yes. And I also mentioned that question because of LeBron James. We use, Absolutely. most people only see him, you know, he's someone who just dribbles a basketball. Man, but, so much to, more. but he to have started a school in his hometown in Akron, um, the endorsement deals that he's done but and, and been able to parlay because of his status from voting to um, more advocacy within black communities that shine other ways. And just him being a father, you talk about him being a father. So even if he was someone who, you know, was making his money, you do what you got to do, but also is a father at his core. He loves his children. That was something beautiful to read in, in his ode. I'm going to tell you this, man. I, I am, um, I am a, I am a LeBron true and true fan. Like I remember um, one time we were in Ohio, we was in Cedar Point. And this was before the I Promise School even came into light. And we we was we were there with our it was uh, my wife and I and our, and our sons, and we saw all these shirts with the LeBron Foundation. So my wife, being the extrovert and me not being one, she went and questioned like one of the moms, you know, like what like what was happening, man. The way that lady ran down, how Brian went yes. about that, like busing basically the whole city of Akron down to the um to the amusement park putting on the um the actual uh announcer and letting them know what they were about to do and the partnership that they had gained and then she went on to let us know that the children who didn't have these were not for the you know excelling kids these were for the kids who had the d's and the f's and if they continue to progress on a trajectory on an upward you know bound and they was going to get these four-year ride the excitement is that the woman had and this was before the i promise and all that i yes. was like yo this man is doing real work in ways that people, even, even when you know him, you don't know, you know what I'm saying? And that, and I know, I know, I know people and I know genuineness and I could tell just how excited she was that this man had, had touched her life in a real way. And that right there beyond basketball, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I've talked to so many people since then about just, just real ways that he's connected and, and, and really done some real work. And, you know, that fatherhood piece, y'all, like, when you see those images on social media and all that, yes. people can disregard it like they want, but that's important. Yes. That's important. That man is rooted, you know? So in one of your O's, I believe it was to Lisa Green, you said, I'm not a religious man. And for a majority of Black people, the Black church is a staple. 
It is yeah. a it is a place to cry. It is a place of gathering. <clears throat> it is a place of worship. How has your faith evolved, especially as you are a black man? Man, I appreciate that question, man. Um, I, because I'm not because I'm not religious. Um, I am that oldest to my mom, which is a very special old because she was a big part of my faith. Um, she's a she is. Let me not speak in passing. She's still here. She is a big part of my faith and how it was built out. Um, I remember um, when I was younger. Um, a big part of reason, the reason that I did the uh, Psalms 23 remix within that old is because when she felt me, you know, I was a, I was a, I was a big scholar, you know, when I was younger, like I really loved school and I would, I would tell the girls when I was younger, like they was trying to be my little girlfriends and all that. And I was like, no, my parents said that I have to study. I have to stay, stick with my study. My parents ain't saying nothing like that. It was me being, <laughs> it was yes. me being me, you know? And when she saw me, kind of slipping from center um towards like middle school time um she had me for like a whole like quarter she had me recite psalms 23 10 times in the morning every day before i went mm. to school you know and she would try to take us to church and different things um and i it didn't stick until high school we found this church that i really was like wow this past is like brilliant wow this is crazy but it was the it was the brilliance that really got me and um i have grown like to just know that there is good in this world and the more that i receive it the more that i focus on it every morning and every night i wake up to say thank you and i go to sleep saying thank you um, and I believe in a higher power, man, because it's bigger. It, it got to be bigger than me. Like this is this is too large of a of a universe for 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 me to be the biggest thing in it, you know. And it keeps me grounded. But one of the, I think one of the staples of the way that I view faith and the way that I view God and all of those different things was my aunt, who I mentioned in the, in the introduction. My aunt Bertha, my my mom used to go to her women's prayer night at her home, and I would notice that they were there were women there from every different type of religious background you had buddhist christian mm -hmm. muslim jewish like just a, a wide array and i was like wow all of these people can get together yes in one space because they have one thing in common faith yes they have the faith that it's going to be better that prayer is going to change things that there is something bigger than them and that you know beyond the dogmas and the doctrines that part was intriguing to me that we can all get along we can all move forward with that with that in mind so you work with melissa kobe what was that experience like and um how was the collaboration piece i always tell people i feel like i i gained new friends along the way of this process like um and melissa is one of those people we we were in communication a lot and she is a she's an extraordinarily talented person mm -hmm. you know like she got it from the jump and to watch her work and to watch her work in the middle of like giving twins like that was another Oof. like big thing like she wow. like right on the 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 cusp of uh 
deadlines for Black Oak, she was like delivering, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I, you know, and I was talking her through that too, like, cause then was her first kids, I was like, girl, I didn't been through it, look, <laughs> you know? So um, I was just very, every time new sketches came in, I just was blown away every time. I, and still to this day, I, I was just doing something earlier, an interview earlier, and I, you know, had the book with me and was reading from it. And just looking at those sketches, like, wow, man, you really got it. You really understood. Not only did you get it, but you executed at such a high level. I was super impressed. And I was I was very thankful because I came in with, with requests. Like, I wanted a, a Black female illustrator and I wanted a Black female book designer. And, like, man, that book designer part, wow, that is not something that is common. So, mm-hmm. like, they had to dig, and they got me an excellent one. You know, Janae Nichelle is, she's another one who is now a friend, and the beautiful work she did laying out the book and just making sure. And there's just so much in, so much intention into this into this project. And I'm that's why I'm so thankful whenever somebody reaches out or picks it up or requests an interview or whatever, because I know that you're going to get a very good conversation because it was so much intention put behind this. So you attended Grambling's Grambling University. Yeah. Um, what was that experience like, especially with the rooms that you've been in? There's been a lot of conversation over the years about how HBCUs don't carry what your Ivy Leagues or your more <laughs> prominent schools don't, which people will gather you for filth and tell you <laughs> where, are, where they're working and the, yeah. the HBCU that they went to. How does that, how does your HBCU experience connect with the rooms that you've been in and also thinking about you being from Chicago? Man, it, it, it changed my artistic life. Like I've always, like my life has been very black. And like, I mean, I started out like the Montessori that I went to was an African centered Montessori, you know, then I went to Chicago public schools, which is, you know, 90, whatever percent black. And, you know, my whole schooling and, and life has just been very black once I got there so it wasn't I wasn't in a situation where I had never been around black people I know sometimes that is like a you know culture shock for some people or some people getting like oh my god it's just amazing black people but for me it was being in a, a a higher learning situation and I had just came out of like high school I had got I had kind of turned a corner I was more into my athletics than I was into my academics and I had fooled around for a couple of years and Grambling was the only place that reached out like everybody else was saying no and Grambling was the only they sent me a scholarship and I was like me like yes. you know me who didn't get back together until senior year you know so yeah. um that off the bat let me know who what they was about and I got mm-hmm. there and I just felt so much in community mm-hmm. and I just felt so seen mm-hmm. like to the point like my, my major was mathematics secondary education at first and I was when I was about to switch the the head of the math department like hunted me down in the hallway like son I can't let you do this we don't have no black men in this you know field mm-hmm. we really need you. you know like if I would have been at you know University of Wisconsin I would no one nobody been they just let me go to the you know mm-hmm. administrative office and let that be a thing you know so it's just those type of moments and the reason I say it changed my artistic career is because we have representatives from all of the 50 states and the way that they embrace my work let me know I was doing the right thing, you know, and I mean, Grambling loved my work. And it's to the point 
that when I just got off, I just got off my Black Roses book tour, every city that I was in, it was every city, at least one Grambling person was there. Wow. And that was amazing to me. Yes. And it meant so much. So it's like that allowed me to believe in myself in such a way. Like they gave me the reason I left is because I, I felt like I was ready. I was mm. ready to go pursue my like artistic career. Mm. Like it had got to the point they was giving me like a day on the homecoming calendar and the spring fest calendar. Mm. Like I'm a I'm an artist. I'm a legit artist now. Like you all have have like cultivated this for me. So I, I man, it gave me so much strength and confidence in any room that I'm in. Like I know that I belong. So as we conclude our conversation. What bookstores would you like our audience to buy Black Oak and Black Roses from? And what organization would you like to amplify? Man, I am always going to shout out semicolon mm-hmm. shy in, in, in Chicago. Greenlight Brooklyn um, in New York, man, they do such a nice job of like displaying my book. And like every time something comes out, like I haven't been there yet now, I, I can't wait to get there. But I really love the way that they like, love me you know so uh semicolon uh green light uh books on b in oakland really shows me a lot of mm-hmm. love too mm-hmm. um so i would love to i would love to shout those three out and i, and I feel bad about anybody i ain't say but them three i know for sure okay great and your organization an organization oh my, my organization we're doing some work right now that i think is going to be uh really i'm really excited about so flowers for the living uh, foundation. Uh, we got some. We got some stuff coming up later on in this year that I'm excited about. Harold Green the Third, thank you for joining us on Feminist Book Club podcast today. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Feminist Book Club the podcast. Want to be part of the club? Here's how you can join us. Obviously, subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review for brownie points. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. All of those links are in the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter to be the first to know what our next monthly book pick is. And check out our award-winning monthly book subscription service. Oprah Magazine named it one of their favorite book boxes, and Shonda Rhimes called us one of her favorite subscription boxes in general. There are multiple membership levels for any budget, and it's an excellent way to support the show and the voices you heard today. See you in the club. Well, red woman is a